So, Psalm 119, in verse 97. Psalm 119, verse 97. Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Thou, through thy commandments, hast made me wiser than mine enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for thy testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients, because I keep thy precepts. I have refrained my feet from every evil way, that I might keep thy word. I have not departed from thy judgments, for thou hast taught me. How sweet are thy words unto my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to the mouth, to my mouth. Through, through thy precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. And so we're in uh, your notes on page 3. Yeah, page 3. So this is uh, number 2, uh, which is at the top of page 2. <laughs> Guided by God's perfect wisdom. Those are the blanks. Guided by God's perfect wisdom, and that's verse 98. Thou through thy commandments hast made me wiser than mine enemies, for they are ever with me. And I was thinking about this earlier that, you know, you have these three verses all in a row where the, the psalmist is talking about how you've, you've given me wisdom that is, you know, greater than mine enemies, my teachers, and the ancients. <laughs> and so I think uh, the it, it'd be tempting to think, well, that sounds kind of... Uh, Bragging, it sounds kind of uh, uh, conceited, you know, to say I'm I'm wiser than. I think that's not the what's being spoken of here. I think that what the what is the focus here is that being led by God is being better than being led by any person on earth, and I think that's that's what we're getting at. So uh, we've already talked about everything on on the page two, and so on the top of page three, we're continuing the thought of the last part of the verses. For they are ever with me. Thou through thy commandments hast made me wiser than mine enemies, for they are ever with me. And so um, we talked about how in Joshua and his life proved the Lord's wisdom and power was far greater than his enemies. And, of course, we know Israel went through the land of Canaan. They defeated every army that came up against them. And um, and so in Joshua chapter 24, I'm going to read a verse before that. So if you'd like to turn there and read that with me. Joshua 24, verse 14. 24, verse 14. Now, this is Joshua speaking to the people of Israel. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve you the Lord. And you know, it's, it's interesting to think that Israel was just miraculously delivered by God against forces that were far over what they had. You know, against enemies that they could never have defeated on their own. They just saw victory after victory after victory. And yet Joshua, before he has even passed on, is speaking to them about putting away other gods. Um, <laughs> and this is not a uh, let's 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 uh, let's uh, let's let's talk about what a terrible group of people Israel was. This is human nature in a nutshell. We are very quick to forget. Very quick to get our eyes off of the Lord. We're very quick to be distracted. I, I, can't, I won't speak for anybody but myself how easily distracted I am. And that's when you set out to do, try to do everything that you're supposed to do. <laughs> and so here, again, before he's even past the scene, Joshua's telling them, you know, put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in, uh, and in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served uh, that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and for and my house, we will serve the Lord. And uh, so as he was he was pushing them to the point to choose right then and there. Who was going to be their God? And if God is your God, you don't need other gods. 
And of course, we, we're, we're going to talk more about this in a minute here, that there's only one God that delivers. There's only one God that saves. There's only one God who is the master of all creation. And he is the only God. Everything Now, there are plenty of things you can worship as a God, but they're not God. And we're going to get to we're going to get to just a second here. <laughs> a verse that really illustrates that perfectly. And so I've got this note. It is no different today as Israel was sur- surrounded within and without by false gods and sin. So are we. We also must choose whom we will serve, the gods of the world or the God who delivers us. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 46. I really want you guys to see this. Isaiah chapter 46. And God has this way of illustrating what he wants to say in the most extraordinary ways. And so Isaiah 46, verse 1. Bel boweth down, Nebo stoopeth. Their idols were upon their beast and upon the cattle. Your carriages were heavy loaden. They are a burden to the weary beast. They stoop, they bow down together. They could not deliver the burden, but themselves are gone into captivity. Hearken unto me, O house of Jacob, and all the remnant of the house of Israel, which are borne by me from, from the belly, which are carried from the womb. And even to your old age, I am he, and even to, the, to whore heads or whore hairs will I carry you. I have made, and I will bear, and I will carry, and will deliver you. And so God, the Lord is speaking to them about the fact that they have these, these beasts carrying their idols on their backs, and the beasts are getting tired of carrying these false gods. <laughs> and yet, you know, it never seems to, to dawn on the people worshiping false idols that they, that they have to carry their own god. They have to put them on an animal, and the animal has to carry them across the, the wilderness or whatever. And the animal is getting tired because of having to carry this God. And God, he tries to paint this stark contrast. God is, is often doing this in the scriptures. He says in verse 3, Hearken unto me, O house of Israel, and all the remnant of the house of Israel. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, O house of Jacob, and all the remnant of the house of Israel, which are born by me from the belly, which are carried from the womb. And even to your old age I am he, and even to whore hairs, or, or the white hairs, will I carry you. I have made, and I will bear, even I will carry and will deliver you. And folks, we have this, this completed word of God that gives us Israel's history, the prophets, and, and then the, the New Testament, and the works of Christ, and his victories. And then you have the, the New Testament apostles, and you have all these records they give us a testimony of who God is and how he is a savior to those who trust in him. And now those of us who know the Lord as our savior, we have our own experience to, to bank on and to be where we will put our understanding of God is where I should put my trust. And yet at the same time, having all of that, folks, we, we have got to be the most accountable people in all of human history. Because we have seen God's hand throughout the scriptures, by faith, by the grace of God, we can see what God has done in the past. And we can see right now in our own lives, I know we could take testimonies here tonight of the wonderful things that God has done, the miraculous things that God has done, the miracles of grace that were needed beyond words to describe how much we needed God. We could take testimonies tonight and we could give that evidence of how faithful God has been. And yet, all of that being true, and we will still struggle day by day to remember 
that we should trust in God and not trust in men, not even trust in ourselves, not trust in, in, in humans in any place or way, but to put our complete and total trust in God. And yet we are so flawed. We're so often falling to some human understanding rather than putting our confidence in God. And the thing is, folks, is he, <laughs> just like he says here, I'm carrying you. And I, I, I thank God for this illustration because human nature is just this foolish as to put, put a, a God that you made with your own hands on the back of a donkey and carry that, that God across the desert or across the land. And folks, God means for us to hope in him and trust in him and to put no confidence in the flesh. So number three, we're going on to the next verse. God's wisdom exceeds knowledge. Those are the blanks. God's wisdom exceeds knowledge. So Psalm 119, verse 99, I have more understanding than all my teachers, for thy testimonies are my meditation. Am I the only one that thought this, this from, a, from an outside perspective, would sound like someone bragging about themselves? <laughs> Brother? No, because it says, for thy testimonies are my meditation. Thy testimony. It, it, it up. Right. Yeah. yeah. Amen. And, uh, and, and it, really, it is... God in us that gives us room to boast. Not us, but God in us. <laughs> God's grace, God's wisdom, God's understanding is what gives us all that we need and more uh, that the world cannot offer us. No, no, there's no other source in which you can go and get God's grace and God's wisdom and his, and his understanding. And so again, the psalmist says, I have more understanding than all my teachers, for thy testimonies are my meditation. And so um, there in your notes is letter A. We are profited so much more to be taught the wisdom of God from God than the knowledge of the learned of the day. And, of course, there's no matter what day you're in, whether it was 2,000 years ago or 5,000 years ago or yesterday, there's a learned of the day, people who have it all. They got it going on. They got the doctorates. They got the everything. They are, you know, I, I, I don't know if you guys are driven crazy, but anybody who says something along the lines, trust me, I'm smart. <laughs> people who are so absolutely just conceited in their own noggin. And uh, but anyway, let's let's read this in Psalm. It's there in your in your notes, Matthew 11, verse 16 through 19. This is the Lord Jesus speaking, and He says, "But whereunto shall I liken this generation?" So He's speaking about, and and I think He might be speaking to the Pharisees. I don't know, but it's uh, He's speaking about the Pharisees, and so they were the advanced religious leadership of the day. And so, uh, but whereunto shall I liken this generation? It is likened to children sitting in the markets and calling unto their fellows and saying, We have piped unto you, and ye have not danced. We have mourned unto you, and ye have not lamented. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, He hath a devil. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Behold, a man gluttonous and a, and a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners. But wisdom is justified of her children. And the Lord Jesus was completely content to have the followers of the Pharisees, the chief priests, the scribes, the lawyers, have their followers and his followers go down the track and watch which ones are turning out like God would have them turn out, which for, which is for the glory of God. And it's not hard to tell. And I, have, you know, you have this in your. Well, let me just. I have this note that uh, that not as seed but as trees, you decide which fruit is which. <laughs> and it's not hard to tell. If you have, you know, a, a pecan tree on one side and you have an apple tree on the other, it's not hard to tell. 
But if you look at the seeds, <laughs> and folks are often quick to say, I am this and I am this, I am this. And the Lord says, you don't judge a man by his words. You judge him by his works. You judge him by, by the fruit that he bears. That is the way in which we are to look at each other. And, and, and thank God for anybody who says they're a brother or sister in Christ, but that's not the way which we know that they're a brother or sister in Christ. It's by their works, by God's works and God's fruit in his life. And I have the note here, Galatians 5, where it mentions the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. The works of the flesh are manifest, and they, it's a long laundry list of terrible things. You know, adulteries and murderers and <laughs> all these things. And that, that's, those are like the, the, the end game. You know, you can't tell when a man is hating somebody, but you sure can tell when he kills him uh, what's going on in his heart. And so when you can judge a tree by its fruit, you can tell what kind. And the Lord Jesus says, but wisdom is justified of her children. And so listen, and, and I have this note here. It's there in your notes. The Pharisees would be the ones secretly meeting behind closed doors to put to death the Lord Jesus who had healed and fed multitudes, and also Lazarus, who he raised from the dead, they plotted to kill him too, for nothing else than being someone that Christ had raised from the dead. You know, remember the Lord Jesus, he got word from Mary and Martha, you know, he whom thou lovest is, is, is dying, and uh, the Lord Jesus stayed where he was for, I think, two days. Two days he stayed. And then he left after Lazarus had died, and he got there, and by the time he got there, Lazarus had been in the grave for four days. And it wasn't possible he was passed out or something. He was dead. And the Lord Jesus called him forth, and he specifically did this, that the world could see that God's salvation was through the Lord Jesus Christ. He specifically revealed to the world who Jesus was. And so the Pharisees, they plotted to kill Lazarus too because he was nothing more than evidence. And folks, we are also called to be the evidence of God's work, the evidence of what God is doing in this world. You see that in Hebrews 11, verse 1. So the Pharisees, they testified really to themselves who they were. The only, the only Pharisee I know of that wasn't with that <laughs> was Nicodemus who came to the Lord Jesus by night in John chapter 3, and he said, we know your teacher come from God, or you wouldn't be able to do these things. And sure, Nicodemus came by night, but at least he came. <laughs> and he wanted to be near him. He wanted to, to approach into the Lord Jesus. And the Lord Jesus approached him where he was. The Lord is always doing that, meeting us where we are. And the rest of the Pharisees seem to be in agreement to the, to the man, even the high priest Caiaphas and, and Ananias, uh, or Annas. Is it, is it Annas or Ananias? I think it's Annas. <laughs> anyway, and so uh, the Pharisees, they had these works that proclaimed who they were. The, the Lord Jesus, uh, they sent that, that, that group of men with swords and staves and arrested him by night. But he went daily to the temple and was teaching and doing these miracles, and they wouldn't do it openly. They were sneaking around. They had a trial for him at night, and all these things that they did were outside of the law, and they, they really were testimonies of, of their works. And so they were the learned of the day. They were the, 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 the intelligent, the super knowledgeable, the, the experts of the day. That's, what the, that's who the Pharisees were. And number two is uh, there in your notes, First Thessalonians 4, 9 through 12. But this is Paul speaking to the Thessalonians. But as touching brotherly love, ye, uh, love uh, I'm sorry, but as touching brotherly love, 
Ye need not that I write unto you, for ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. And indeed ye do it toward all the brethren which are, which are in all Macedonia. But we beseech you, brethren, that ye increase, increase more and more, and that ye study to be quiet and to do your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you, that ye may walk honestly toward them that are without, and that ye may have lack of nothing. And I thank God for what we see here, that we are taught by God to love and to, to love one another. And God, you know, thank God for preachers and teachers and people who are equipped to, uh, to teach the Bible and to, to encourage each other. But God teaches his people himself. And I know, again, we could take testimonies of, of God meeting us where we were and helping us in ways that we didn't even know we needed help in. And God equipping us in the ways that we needed to by just being our father and ministering to us where we are. And, um, and, and then also verse 11, you see there, and you know, it's also that you study to be quiet and to do your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you that you may walk honestly toward them that are without and that you may have lack of nothing. And of course, the, the standard that God calls his people to is blamelessness. You know, and, and instead of like the Pharisees sneaking around and, and just it's backbiting, it's, it's, you know, win at all costs. That's that's a very common you know, way in which you see people in the world. Win at all costs. Get what I want at all costs. And, uh, and the, you know, the Pharisees also, you see, I think it's, I can't remember exactly where the verse is, but where the Romans uh, or the, uh, the, the Pharisees met behind closed doors again, and they said, if we let this man thus alone, all men will come unto him. And they were afraid of losing their power. They were afraid of the Romans coming and taking their power. And so listen, <laughs> these works testify who they are. And the works that God calls us to is really God's work in us is, you know, like he says, study to be quiet and to do your own business and to work with your own hands. That's the people that we should be, that you may walk honestly toward them that are without and that you may have lack of nothing. And uh, the, the reverse of that you see in First Peter chapter four. First Peter chapter four and verse 14. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the spirit of, the, of glory and of, of God resteth upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's matters. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. And what Peter's talking about there is doing the things that you're supposed to be doing, and still people single you out <laughs> to, 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 you know, to make an example of you. I, I heard somebody today talking about how uh, uh, some, this person said that, uh, well, that's a Mr. Good, goody Two-Shoes. They don't drink or they don't do anything like that. You know, like it's something to mock somebody because they don't drink. <laughs> And so, anyway, uh, what's that? Strong drink is the mock. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's all kinds of good reasons to not drink. They use mock to mock the person who isn't drinking. Yeah. And so, what Peter's saying there is, if we if we get for the name of Christ reproached, that's something to be happy about. And of course, we often none of us are particularly happy about being reproached or someone you know speaking ill of us. But uh, the Lord says, be you know, if ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. If people see something in us that's like Christ and they don't like it, well, it's then it's good to be rejected because you're like Christ. 
that's a good reason to be rejected. What we as human beings, we don't, we just don't like the feeling of being rejected. And yet, you know, like Peter says here, it's something to be, it's something to prepare ourselves for, to be ready for that. Walk with the Lord, and if people don't like your walk with God because it's, it's not what they, and you know, the walking with the Lord Jesus, it is going to go against the grains. It's going to get, go, we should expect this, but often we're just not, we're, we haven't prepared ourselves and we're not therefore ready to be reproached for the name of Christ. And, um, and so, and then he says there, but let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a busybody in other men's matters. And I think that we have this threshold. Well, it's, you can't do this, you can't do this, but this is just, this is just little stuff. It's okay to do this stuff. <laughs> Well, you know, the Bible says that don't be a busybody in other, other, other men's matters. You guys okay? Everybody's kind of tired, looking tired tonight, Brother Patrick. You were talking about men things at all costs. Yeah. You take the verse, the love of money is root of all evil. Mm-hmm. There's a situation where you love money, the cost is often to the general population. Right. I mean, right. Yeah, and, and yeah, I have a note that's it's a lot like that. We're going to get to, I think. Um yeah. Okay. So back in the notes, it's uh, uh, two men. But you see this example example here underneath that is two men, one following God and the other following worldly wisdom. It will not take long to see which is better to be around. The man following God is is told to be a servant to all, love his enemies, turn the other cheek, love his neighbor as himself. We see that in Matthew five, and we follow that way imperfectly. But if that is your goal, bless you. If that's your goal, if your goal is to follow the Lord in all these ways, then, you know, we're going to be someone who's looking out for others more than he's looking out for himself. That's the way that we're, we're called to walk. And then the letter B here is the other, following the wisdom of the world, puts his, his needs above all others, will, uh, will love others as long as it's not too hard and doesn't cost anything. And if no one is watching, may take what you have if he wants it bad enough. You know, this, this is just the way that the world works. And, and the world is becoming more and American society used to encourage people to be neighborly, to look out for each other and things like that. And there's still there are still people like that, but it's becoming less and less so all the time. People are becoming so self-centered. And, you know, and, and the fact that our, our, our country, our, our whole world, I guess, society, you know, it, I mean, you get to the point where people can't detach themselves from social media. They're so ingrained in electronic discussions and electronic chatting and stuff like that, they can't have a, a conversation with, a, with words from their mouths and facial expressions with people right next to them. You know, and, and that, folks, that's, that's, that's not even talking about Bible doctrine and things like that. It's just, it's just people falling apart. They're degenerating. Brother Patrick. Yeah, I hear they're running into telephone poses. <laughs> Probably so. <laughs> it's, it's easier to degrade you by the media than it is to yeah. person. It's easier to tear people down. That's the best Yeah, oh, that's absolutely true. Face to face is a different thing. Right. And that's and, why the world is deteriorating because you right. can do everything. You can steal, you can lie, you can do everything. Right. Well, and, and yeah, you're, you're right. I mean, people who are just mean-spirited, and I, this is everywhere on social media, mean-spirited just will tear you down at a heart, heartbeat. You know, and it's not, again, it's not even just about Bible things or, or doctrine. It's about everything. People will quickly tear people down. 
And and like Bob said, they're not face to face. They can, you know, it's almost anonymity to be able to, to, to type something out in, in five seconds, you know, and, and just just absolutely shame somebody across the world. And that's a terrible way to be. And of course, uh, again, this is just the, the, the pattern that things are taking in our world. And so I never, full, full disclosure, I never had patience for social media at all. I mean, I remember Casey talking about when she lived at home, being on Facebook, and they were, you know, there's a, 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 a discussion, and she was so anxious about it, and I, I, there's no way I would have the patience for that at all. It's called social destruction. Well, I'm sure. <laughs> And so I, I, I don't. I, I mean, I, I'm sure there are many, many wonderful benefits to being able to, to stay in touch. I know Mom has seen pictures of the, the kids and things like that, and I just don't have the patience for it at all. Uh, I'll text somebody, but <laughs> that's, about, that's about where I'm cross-drawing the line. <laughs> and so um, and so, yeah, we already mentioned that uh, the works of the flesh and, uh, and Galatians 5 and the fruit of the Spirit. And so uh, this is what the world, the flesh, and the devil produces. That's what... The, that's what the, 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 the that's the, the, the mold that the characters of uh, that the world the flesh and the devil produces and so uh, that's there number three there Ecclesiastes 2:13 then I saw that the wisdom that wisdom excelleth folly as far as light excelleth darkness and I have this note that a consistent walk with God shines as a lighted path these are some beautiful verses in Proverbs chapter 4 Proverbs chapter 4 in verse 18 and 19. The path of the just is as the shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. But the, the path of the wicked, or the way of the wicked is as darkness. They know not at what they stumble. And, and that's, that's putting the whole world together in, four, in, in, in two verses. But the path of the just is as a shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. That's someone follow the Lord Jesus. If you follow them and you watch them, you'll, you can find your way to heaven. <laughs> By finding the Lord Jesus in their lives. And as people are, are careful to follow the Lord and, and trust in him and walk in his ways, their light is a shining path. And verse 19, the way of the wicked is as darkness. They know not at what they stumble, but they will encourage people to stumble with them. They're, they're, they're gathering each other together to be strong in evil. And it's the way of the world. And again, it's getting easier and easier to see the difference, but that doesn't mean that Christians are becoming more and more successful in doing so. The paths are absolutely, they're starker and plainer than they've ever been before, but I don't know that Christians are more successful than they've ever been before. I, I don't know why. I can't, I'm not giving you a reason why. I don't know that I'm smart enough. I just know that, 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 that the world is getting starker in its contrasts, and yet it doesn't seem as though Christians are picking easier the right way to go. All right, so uh, letter B is teachers can teach academics and experience. God gives wisdom and understanding. And, you know, teachers can, they can teach academics and, and accumulated knowledge. God gives wisdom and understanding. And, of course, the, the most beautiful part of that is that God teaches us himself. And James 1.5, uh, it's there in your notes, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally. And upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. And of course, this is one of those, I mean, ironclad promises in the Bible. There's, there's so many. It's so open-ended, and it's, and it's in the nature of its promise. If any of you lack wisdom, it doesn't say like in general or in, a, in a, just a specific matter. 
It's an invitation. And you see the same thing in, in Proverbs as well. When you see uh, Proverbs has, has made her, her meal and she's invited her guest and she's saying, come and sit at my table. You see a similar thing here. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. The invitation from God. Ask of me wisdom and I will give it to you. Let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally. God doesn't give a a small portion just barely enough, but God gives liberally. He cuts you off a big chunk Mm -hmm. and gives it to you and makes sure that you have as much as you need and then more. And upbraideth not. God's inviting. Please come and get wisdom from from God. And uh, and it's, it's just a beautiful invitation that he says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. You can ask for wisdom about small things. Lord, help me know what to do here. Guide me by your hand. Now, there's a verse. I don't remember what it is, but thou shalt guide me and afterwards receive me to glory. I, I wish I'd written that verse down. But uh, then let her see. We're going to finish this tonight. <laughs> For, uh, for thy testimonies are my meditations. And there, it's there in your notes, Proverbs 1, 1 through 7. The Proverbs of, of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment, and equity, to give subtlety to the simple, to the young man knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and will increase learning, and a man of understanding shall attain into wise counsels, to understand a proverb and the interpretation. The words of the wise and their dark sayings. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and destruction. And of course, Proverbs is is chock full of these kinds of words, these contrasts between the right way, the good way, God's way, and every other way. That you know, like it said there, that to, to understand a proverb and their interpretation, the words of the wise and their dark sayings, or or maybe not quit, not very easily understood sayings. Uh, they're, they're not received by the world. So it's not common that these things be received, but God's people are given them. And so the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and, instru- and instruction. So I have some notes out uh, beneath that, that the fear of the Lord is, opening of the, is the opening of the door to a walk that's pleasing to God and glorifies him, and our profiting will be seen by all. So let me read that again. The fear of the Lord is the opening of the door to a walk that is pleasing to God and glorifies him and our profiting will be seen by all. And First uh, Timothy, I'm just going to turn and read it. First Timothy chapter 4, if you guys would like to turn there. First Timothy chapter 4 in verse 13. Till I come, give. this is Paul speaking to Timothy. He says, till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was uh, given thee by, the, by prophecy, with the laying on of, my, of the hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things, give thyself wholly to them, that thy, profit, that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed to thyself, unto thyself, and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. And so by us walking with the Lord, our profiting that we get by walking closely with God profits those around us. Even if people don't, you know, like like we've talked about, you know, if we're going against the flow, it's still it's better for people to see the warning signs, the the stop sign that says stop or slow down or or sharp curve ahead. It's better that those things be there, you know, than for them not to be there for people just to go off a cliff. 
you know, whether people are going to ignore them or not. You know, and God says this, in, in, in I think it's in Ezekiel and other places, where he says, whether they will hear or receive the truth or not, they will know a prophet has been among them. God wants them to hear the truth, regardless of whether or not they'll say yes or no. But some will. The Holy Spirit is doing the work of tendering people's heart and drawing people to God. The Bible says that uh, the Holy Spirit will, will convict the world of sin, of righteousness and judgment. Some are going to give way to God's leadership in their lives. God will draw people to our places not to assume there's no point in me speaking out about these things because nobody's going to listen anyway. That's not our business. Our business is to Walk with God and let the profiting that comes to me profit those around me. And for us to live any other way is destruction, but it's also selfish. To live for ourselves just like the rest of the world is entirely selfish. And, you know, to help the world self-destruct while I go to heaven, that's a pretty despicable way to be. And, of course, we don't think in those terms, but that is the end result. To live a selfish, self-consumed life Regardless, not not caring about the world around you as it goes to hell, folks, that's that's despicable. And yet, so many of us are are uh, uh, insulated in our our distractions and in our entertainment that we can't be bothered to care about the people around us. And so, listen, this verse just makes it so so abundantly clear: neglect not the gift that is in thee which was given thee by the prophecy, by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. And there's a verse in, I think it's Corinthians, where he says, by looking into the perfect law of liberty, we're changed into Christ's image. <laughs> and so, you know, we often think in terms, I think sometimes, uh, in terms of, well, then that means I'm going to have to do this and I'm going to have to do this and then I'll have to do that. But, you know, if you are just following the Lord Jesus Christ, if you're putting your eyes upon him and looking at him and meditating on him and the truths that he gives us, the Bible says you're going to be changed into his image and people will see the presence of God in our lives. And again, we can be so selfish and so self-consumed. And, you know, there's so many people that don't like the thought that, oh, that means since you're saved, you can you can just sin all you want and still go to heaven. (laughs) That's not the truth. It may be that you can sin and go and, and God will let you ruin your life. I don't know. I'm not God. But I know the truth is, is we're, you know, it's with God and his presence in our lives. We're not allowed to live like that. God is constantly at work in our lives to prevent... I'm, I don't know where my train of thought was going with that. My alarm starts going off, pastor walks in the room, and I lose my train of thought. <laughs> it's all your fault. Yeah. Yes. So they got happy after the hospital. They, uh, they did some blood work. They gave him some stuff for the nausea because he's been throwing up a lot. And they put an IV in, uh, but they're just waiting now to go back to actually see the doctor and waiting for the blood work results. But she said the hospital's a is that here in Fredericksburg? That's Mary Washington. Okay. So, so she doesn't know what's going on yet, but she's going to keep me informed. So okay. So just keep out in your prayers. Wow. Okay. 
Well, we have, we just have one more thing that we're going to share here. And so this is all the fear of the Lord is the opening of the door to a, a walk that is pleasing to God and glorifies him and our profiting will be seen by all. And then this last verse, Malachi chapter three, and I've shared this with you guys before. This is just one of the most beautiful verses in the Bible to me. Matthew, Malachi chapter three, verse 13. So this is God speaks to the Israel in some pretty stark words here. And so this is one of the exchanges. He says, your words have been stout against me, saith the Lord. Yet ye say, what have we spoken so much against thee? Ye have said it is vain to serve God. And what profit is it that we have kept his ordinance and that we have walked mournfully before the Lord of hosts? And now we call the proud happy. Yea, they that work wickedness are set up. Yea, they that tempt God are even delivered. Can you imagine how God would be upset at hearing his people talk like this? <laughs> Verse 16. Then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. And they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts, in that day when I make up my jewels. And I will spare them as a man spareth his own son that serveth him. Then ye shall, then shall ye return and discern between the righteous and the wicked, between him that serveth God and him that serveth him not. So the Bible's talking about how there's, there's God's people here, and they're saying, it's vain to serve God. It's a waste of my time. And then you see in verse 16, Then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it, and a book of remembrance was written before him. Wouldn't you like to have your name written in God's book of remembrance about people who love the Lord and were faithful to him. I would like my name to be in that book. <laughs> and they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts, in that day when I make up my jewels, and I will spare them as a man spareth his own son that serveth him. And folks, this, this kind of thing is an encouragement to the people of God to put this world aside and all of its stuff and focus on pleasing God. Thank God for Enoch, the story of Enoch in the Bible. The Bible says he walked with God and was not, <laughs> because God took him. <laughs> God could look into a man's life and be pleased about that man loving the Lord and walking with him. And folks, those kinds of things, they are meant to encourage us. Forget this world, forget this stuff. God has the true life to be lived. And everything else is literally, at best, distraction. And so our place is to put these things aside, put the, the, the confidence in stuff, and put it aside and just forget about it and ask God to help us to walk with him for his glory. So we'll go ahead and stop right there. Thank you, Lord, for this time we've had. Thank you, Lord, for your word. And we thank you, Lord, for these beautiful things we see written in there. And we pray that you please help us, Lord, to keep our eye on the ball and to walk with you and to not let the world pull us away from you or distract us. And Lord, as times are changing here in America, we pray that you help us to be faithful until the very end. And we thank you and we ask your blessing on this time. And everyone, as we go home, please keep us safe. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you.